The idea that materialistic values can obstruct your path to happiness dates back hundreds of years. The Buddha encouraged a balance between asceticism and pleasure. Early Christian monasticism preached spiritual transformation through simple living. Philosopher Lao Tzu warned that if you chase after money, your heart will never unclench. Welcome back to another episode of Living Fire. If you never want to miss an upload, make sure to subscribe to the channel. Centuries later, the question of whether money can bring us happiness remains a subject of intense debate. After all, as our culture of consumption expands exponentially, our lives increasingly revolve around money, earning it, spending it, and saving it. Consider the numbers. Between 1901 and 2003, U.S. household spending increased 53-fold, from $769 to $40,748. That's $2,000 in 1901 dollars. And what we spend on has also changed. Today, the average American family spends about 50% of their income on necessities like food and shelter, compared to almost 80% in 1901. That means more discretionary spending on consumer goods and services, including the 11.3 million tons of clothing and 27 million tons of plastics that end up in U.S. landfills every year. However, even though things we buy might make us happy in the moment, that feeling atrophies over time. It's what psychologists call the hedonic treadmill. We get used to things that we have, and when new shiny things are advertised, we feel like we need to keep getting more stuff to maintain those feelings. So does money bring us happiness, or is it the root of our misery? Well, it's complicated. Financial security certainly influences our well-being when it comes to satisfying our basic needs and standard of living. But in general, research shows that affluence is a weak predictor of happiness. So what most experts can agree on is this. There are ways to spend our money that are more likely to elicit joy. So next time a commercial has you itching to pull out your wallet, hit pause and consider these three tips on where to invest your cash. Time is precious. Buy yourself some more of it. We can send messages anywhere in the world instantly, travel across oceans in a matter of hours, and get almost anything we can dream of hand-delivered to our doorsteps within days. And yet, despite our ability to do nearly everything faster and more efficiently, people across all income levels report experiencing a phenomenon known as time famine. It isn't necessarily how busy your calendar is, but rather the internal state of anxiety and concern that you don't have enough time to do the things you want to do. Time famine isn't just an existential crisis, it can have real consequences on our health. Research shows that people who feel time constrained are more stressed, less likely to spend time helping others, and they're less active. It's also one of the main reasons people give to explain why they're not exercising regularly or eating well. But receiving social support may protect us from the negative consequences of time stress, a concept psychologists call the buffering hypothesis. According to this theory, buying time by doing things like hiring a house cleaning service instead of tidying up, ordering takeout instead of cooking, or paying extra for a direct flight can increase our sense of control and ultimately our feelings of well-being. The caveat? The amount of disposable income we have makes a difference when it comes to buying time. If paying someone to clean your house means cutting your grocery budget for a week and a half, those hours of reclaimed free time won't pack the same punch as they might if they were funded by spare change. We're also less likely to benefit from buying time when we focus on its economic value, something we're more likely to do if we have less cash to go around. For example, research shows that hourly wage workers tend to apply mental accounting rules to their time, which can affect how they budget it and how much they enjoy it. In a study, 
Psychologists found that when participants were primed to think of their time as carrying monetary value, they were more impatient and experienced less pleasure during leisure activities like listening to music. Another study from 18 countries yielded two major findings. First, that focusing on finances isn't all bad. Money-focused individuals are indeed productive. Reminding people about money motivates them to exert extra effort on challenging tasks, to put in longer hours, and to perform better. On the flip side, they also tend to work more, socialize less, and experience greater psychological and physiological stress. Invest in experiences. You might think it's more practical to spend money on something that you'll use for years rather than on a fancy dinner or vacation, but research suggests that an intangible experience can often bring you joy for longer than a physical object. People believe material goods last, and they do last in a physical sense, but that doesn't mean you can continue to derive value from it. Experiences are fleeting, but not in a psychological sense. They live on in our memories. They live on in the stories we tell. For example, people get boosts of pleasure from planning and anticipating experiences like vacations, and then again when recalling those memories later. That's partly because experiences often cultivate connection and feelings of belonging, whereas we're more likely to consume material purchases alone. We're social animals after all. As soon as our basic needs like food, shelter, and safety are met, the first thing we seek is companionship. Research on human flourishing confirms that cultivating meaningful relationships through institutions like work, religious communities, and marriage enhances our well-being and is associated with better health and longer life expectancy. Our experiences also play a significant role in the formation of our identities. Experiential purchases tend to be more reflective of a person's identity and their sense of self. Our stuff is less centrally tied to who we are. We're the sum of our experiences. That's why people bond with each other over experiences rather than their possessions. It can be annoying to find out that someone has a nicer TV or a fancier wardrobe. These comparisons can make people feel worse. It turns out experiences are less susceptible to these types of problematic comparisons. People don't want to trade their trip for someone else's. Your experiences are kind of uniquely yours. Even spending time on simple, low-cost pleasures, like attending an exercise class or drinking a cold beer with friends, can produce small, frequent boosts in mood and facilitate social connections. And since the COVID-19 pandemic has forced most of us into physical isolation, we need to get more creative than ever. That could mean signing up for a virtual painting class, sharing a fancy bottle of wine during a Zoom happy hour, or investing in outdoor recreation. Get out and hike and bike and take advantage of your local environment. These kinds of experiences don't demand a giant bank account. You don't need to make extreme lifestyle changes either. It's not that the material goods are bad and you have to stop purchasing them. It's just if you shift your expenditures a bit more in the experiential direction and a bit less in the material direction, you'll be happier. Spend on others. Another benefit of investing in experiences is that they inspire us to engage in more altruistic behaviors. That's because we tend to be more thankful for what we've done than we are for what we have. Those feelings of gratitude come with a whole host of psychological benefits, including pro-social behaviors like giving. This is significant because spending money on others is also linked to greater well-being. Studies found that pro-social spending was universally associated with greater happiness in both wealthy and poor countries. In lab experiments, participants who were randomly assigned to spend money on others reported greater happiness than those assigned to spend it on themselves. 
In fact, we may be hardwired to give. Children start to demonstrate pro-social behaviors like sharing as early as age two, and they're linked to our brain's reward systems. Evolutionary theorists argue that altruistic behavior is a survival trait, much like eating or having sex. It was crucial for the large-scale cooperation that allowed early humans to survive and thrive in groups. Today, it serves another adaptive function. It's good for our health. For instance, studies show that helping others is linked to a decreased risk of morbidity and mortality in older adults, that people who give social support are more likely to receive it in return, and that giving social support is related to positive health outcomes like lower blood pressure. The best part, generosity is contagious and can influence the spending habits of those around us. When it comes to giving, spending money on people we have stronger emotional ties with, it may be more likely to boost happiness compared to weak or anonymous relationships. Likewise, when it comes to giving to charity, giving to a specific cause or mission, it can produce greater feelings of happiness compared to a more general donation. Psychologists suggest that it's because you know exactly how your money is going to benefit the recipient. And with that, we've reached the end of this episode, all about how you can spend your money and save money with happiness as the main objective. What do you spend your money on and why? Get involved and let us know in the comments section down below. If you enjoyed this one and found it helpful, remember to leave a like on the video and to subscribe to Living Fire for even more amazing videos just like this one. Thank you for watching and we'll see you in the next one.